Section 34 of Antonia. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Antonia by George Sand, translated by George Burnham Ives. She saw Monsieur Antoine approaching with Marcel and she mechanically seated herself to receive him. On the bench where, three months earlier, the old man had made the strange and absurd proposition, her rejection of which had cost her so dear. As on that day, she heard the foliage rustle and saw the sparrow Julian had tamed, flapping his wings and apparently hesitating whether he should light on her shoulder. The little creature had taken a liking to freedom. Julian, being unable to find him as they were going away, had left him behind, hoping that Julie, whose long absence he did not foresee, would be very glad to find him there. Since her return, Julie had seen him several times not far away, friendly but suspicious. She had tried in vain to induce him to come nearer, but this time he allowed himself to be caught. She was holding him in her hands when Monsieur Antoine accosted her. She smiled and saluted him with a bewildered air. He spoke to her, unconscious of what he was saying, for his long exercise of absolutely despotic power had failed to overcome his timidity at the beginning of an interview. After his inevitable moment of stammering, he could succeed in saying nothing more than this. Ah, so you still have your sparrow. It is Julian's sparrow, and I love it, replied Julie. Here, do you want to kill it? Here it is. Her manner of speaking, her livid pallor, and the savagely indifferent air with which she offered him, the poor little bird, all warm with her kisses, made a profound impression on Monsieur Antoine. He looked at Marcel as if to say, is she mad, I wonder? And instead of twisting the sparrow's neck as he would have done three months earlier, he pushed it away, saying stupidly, Pshaw, pshaw, keep the thing. There's no great harm in it. You were so kind, rejoined Julie, with the same feverish bitterness. You have come to receive my thanks, haven't you? You know that I accept everything, that I am happy now that I no longer love anything or anybody, that you have done me the very greatest service, and that you can say to God every night, I have been good and great like unto thee. Monsieur Antoine stood with his mouth open, uncertain whether Madame d'Estrelle said these things to make sport of him or to thank him, too cunning to trust, too dull to understand. She is going to fly in my face, he whispered to Marcel. You deceived me, you rascal. No, Uncle Marcel replied aloud. Madame la Comtesse is thanking you. She is very ill, as you see. Do not ask her to make long speeches. Marcel had relied on the impression that the alteration in Julie's features would probably produce on Monsieur Antoine. That impression was in truth profound. He stared at her with a dazed, cruel, yet terrified expression, and said to himself with a joy not unmingled with terror, That 
is my work. Madame, he said after a moment's hesitation, I said that I would be revenged on you, that I would force you to ask my pardon for your insults. Do you want to get through with it and admit that you were in the wrong? I ask nothing but that. What is my offense, said Julie? Explain it so that I may know what it is. Antoine was sorely embarrassed to reply, and his anger, which had almost disappeared, reawoke, as always happened, when he had no charge to make which would bear the test of common sense. Ah, so you don't think you have insulted me, he said. Very good, Mordi. You shall ask my pardon in so many words if you don't want Julian to have to pay for you. Must I ask your pardon on my knees, queried Julie, with a heart-rending attempt at arrogance. Suppose that I should demand that, retorted the old man, dizzy with anger when he felt that he was defied. Here I am, said Madame d'Estrelle, kneeling before him. That was for her the last station on the road of martyrdom, the apology which the innocent victim was compelled to make, with the rope about the neck and the torch in the hand, before ascending the scaffold. At that moment of sublime self-immolation, her angered heart suddenly overflowed. Her face became transfigured. She smiled the ecstatic smile of the saints, and the ineffable beauty of heaven revealed was reflected in her eyes. Antoine did not understand, but he was dazzled. His anger subsided, not under the influence of emotion, but before a sort of superstitious terror. That is all right, he said. I am satisfied, and I forgive Julian. Adieu. He turned his back and fled. Marcel said to Julie a few encouraging words which he did not hear or did not try to understand, that he ran after Monsieur Antoine. Now, my excellent uncle, he said in the boldest and most stinging tone he had yet adopted with him, you should be satisfied indeed. You have killed Madame de Strel. Killed her, said his uncle, turning abruptly upon him. What infernal nonsense is that? The nonsense would consist in taking her joy and her gratitude seriously, and you surely are not capable of that. That woman is in despair. She is dying of grief. You lie. You were dodging the question. She is still a little angry. She is sick on account of the way I have thwarted her lately. But in reality, she is making the best of it. And while she may be chafing at her bit, she sees well enough that I am saving her in spite of her. You save her from the chances of the future, it is true, and you take the surest means to do it, by depriving her of life. Well, well, there's another dodge. She caught cold passing the nights in the garden with her lover, and then she was bored to death in that convent at Chalot, and even more in that barrack at Monterre where she was absolutely alone. You see, that it was no use for her to hide. I know every place she has been to. I never lost track of her. You can't fool me. I saw the convent doctor. He told me that she had a streak of melancholy in her disposition, 
but that she had no serious disease. I have seen her Paris doctor, too. He says that he knows nothing about her sickness. If it was anything serious, he'd know what it was. Deuce take it. I know she's angry. People don't die of that. And now she'll get better. I give you my word. And I, said Marcel, give you my word that, with another week of the despair in which you are plunging her deeper and deeper, she will be lost beyond recall. Aho! So she loves that young dauber of canvas very dearly, does she? How about him? Does he still think of her? Julian's as badly off as she is, and in quite as alarming a frame of mind. I determined to make sure of it. I forced a confession from him with much difficulty, for he is not a man to complain. As for her, two whole months have passed and I haven't succeeded in extorting a word from her. Today, I determined to force her to the wall. I succeeded, and now my mind is made up. To what? What do you propose to do? I propose to destroy the two papers I have in my pocket. Your receipt, which I have taken back from Madame d'Estrel, and her promise never to see Julian again, which I have not yet delivered to you. You entrusted both of them to me, telling me to exchange your reciprocal pledges. I place you on your original footing by destroying them both. We must start afresh, and as I know your intentions and hers, I tell you now that Madame d'Estrel will accept nothing from you, and that you can take possession of everything that belongs to her. Thus far she has followed my advice blindly. I have changed my views, and, as I have no desire to see her die, I advise her to retract her consent to everything." "'Why, you're a miserable knave,' said Monsieur Antoine, stopping short in the middle of the street and shouting at the top of his voice. "'I don't know what keeps me from breaking my cane over your shoulders.' "'Knave, indeed. When I give you back all your money and recover nothing for my client but the right to live in poverty. Nonsense. Just sue her and have the case aired in court.' if you want to cover yourself with ridicule and shame. But Julian, Julian, who I have made rich, you scoundrel, this is what I foresaw. You have cheated me. Not at all, uncle. Julian has been seriously ill of late. He is still, and his mother said to me, do whatever you choose. Let us return everything to Monsieur Antoine and let Julie be restored to us. So there you are, uncle. You don't lose an opulus. You recover principal and interest, and you leave us at liberty to live as we please, with no risk of losing our liberty by reason of any stipulation imposed by law or by private agreement. Why, you miserable villain! How you recant! I took you for a sensible man. You agreed with me entirely. You disapproved of their marriage. You worked with me to provide for their happiness. True, until the day when I saw that happiness was taking them straight to the tomb. They are mad. Yes, uncle, they are mad. Love is a form of madness, 
but when it is incurable, we must yield to it. And I yield. Very good, retorted Monsieur Antoine, flattening his hat over his eyes with a vicious blow. Go and tell that lady to get out of her house, that it is to say my house, instantly. I will go to Severus and pack off the others. If the whole lot of them are not on the street in two hours, I'll send bailiffs, police agents, I'll set the houses on fire, I'll... His frantic threats became inaudible as he rushed madly away. He left Marcel in the street and returned home, unconsciously parodying, Aristides pursued by the Furies. Marcel, undismayed, quietly followed him and disregarded the orders already given to admit no one. He was determined to come to blows with the servants if necessary. "'You mean to go to Severus, do you?' he said." I will go with you. That's as you choose, said Uncle Antoine with lowering brow. Have you notified Madame Julie to clear out of my house? Yes, that is done, replied Marcel, for he saw that the old man had lost his head completely, and that he did not know how few were the minutes passed since their altercation in the street. Is she packing up? Is she taking away? She takes nothing, said Marcel. She leaves everything for you. Are we going to Severus? Have you ordered the cab? My chaise and farm horse will go faster. They are being harnessed. He sat down on the edge of the table and seemed absorbed by his reflections. Marcel sat down opposite him, determined not to lose sight of him, at times fearing for his reason at times dreading some diabolical suggestion of his wrath. When they entered the carriage, it was seven o'clock at night. Marcel broke the silence. What are we going to do at Severus, he inquired. You will see, Monsieur Antoine replied. After about fifteen minutes, Marcel spoke again. There is no need of your going there, he said. The documents are in my office. It is simply a matter of tearing them up, and I will not allow you to make an absurd scene at my aunt's. I warn you, she is exceedingly anxious, for Julian is very ill, as I told you. And you lied like a dog, retorted Monsieur Antoine. As he spoke, he pointed to a hired cabriolet, which was just passing them. Julian, pale and downcast, with contracted brow and preoccupied, determined air, was in the vehicle, and passed close to them without seeing them. He had received Julie's note. He had forced himself to rise, and, as he wished to ask Marcel some questions before keeping the appointment, he was driving in season to Paris. "'If he is the one you want to speak to,' said Marcel, "'let us turn back.' I will wager that he is going to see me. He is not the one I want to speak to, rejoined Monsieur Antoine satirically, since he is dying. Do you think he looked well, demanded Marcel. The uncle relapsed into his sullen silence. They went on toward Severus. Did he himself know what he was going to do there? Let us confess the truth. He had absolutely no idea. He was conscious that his mind was in great confusion, 
and his meditation was simply a sort of painful uneasiness concerning the discomfort he felt. With all this, he thought, I shall be the sickest of the three if I don't look out. Anger is an excellent thing. It keeps one alive. It helps out old age. And it is all up with an old man who allows himself to be led by the nose. But we shouldn't take too big a dose of it at once, and it would be well for me to cool off a little. End of section 34